Hey, how's it going? Man, it is an incredibly dreary, cold, uh, dare I say very European day here in Sydney. Huh. Uh, I often wonder about that, like when Captain Cook and all those people were sort of wandering around the place here 200 years ago trying to figure out where to put all those convicts. I'm getting my wires crossed here. And he had this massive continent that he could have put people on and he decided now nah, let's put the primary settlement right down the bottom somewhere like towards the bottom and then we'll put the second biggest one even further down like literally facing Antarctica let's do that now heavens we wouldn't want it in some kind of a tropical paradise up you know in the far north Queensland or something hell no let's uh, but then I guess if you're from the UK and you're used to this kind of weather, then you would kind of want to have something similar. We'll get back to that in a second. I hope you're doing well. Ah, it's funny, I've recorded a few of these over the last month or so, and for various reasons, I've just not really got around to uploading them. I think I ran into the problem that I always do where, whoa, that's a loud train. So I'll get off this main street in a second. I made the mistake like I always do where I think I made them a little bit too timely or topical. You don't ever want to talk about really, really current breaking things because the stuff becomes very outdated and kind of slightly outdated news is really boring and doesn't really offer anything. So it's always better to talk about interesting stuff instead. So I, I've learned that <laughs> lesson. Whoa, I can cross. Um, to <laughs> I won't, won't make that mistake again. title of this episode comes from a bizarre advertisement that I saw on the side of a bus up here. I was waiting um, to cross the street, <clears throat> like a gentleman, and I, <laughs> I saw this bus drive by. Clever curtains. I, what? <laughs> I didn't because it drove by so fast. <coughs> Excuse me. It drove by so fast that I didn't notice what the rest of the ad said. Which I suppose is kind of the problem with advertising that you slap on the side of a moving vehicle. Like unless you're travelling at the same speed or it's waiting at a traffic light, you're probably not going to notice what it says. Was it says? What it says? I can English. <laughs> Clever curtains. What the. Anyway, the last few weeks have been really weird. But for the first time in a while, weird in kind of a good way. Um, in a positive way. It's not really... Can you be weird and positive? Positively weird? Whatever the opposite of bad weird is, it's that, it's that kind of weird. The first one... So you would have seen I name-dropped... Uh, I name drop James's coffee blog here all the time, or at least uh, back when I used to do this show sort of semi-regularly. It's a lot of fun. Like, he's, uh, he's up there in, um, in Scotland, my, at least half of my family's ancestral home from back in the day. Um, he's also part of the indie web, which is, really gives me hope for the future of the, the internets. And dare I say, compared to all the other things that are going on on the web right now, I would strongly suspect it, it will have the longevity that these other sites most definitely do not. Um, I've 
always sort of self-hosted my stuff, but I've never really been part of the move, the broader movement to beyond sort of gently encouraging people who I think are smart and funny and interesting to, you know, present company notwithstanding to sort of write and produce things. Um, but yeah, in terms of a movement, I haven't really contributed that much to it. James is really at the forefront of that stuff. Anyway, I was really excited to see that he has a, uh, a show of his own now, and even better still, they're appearing on Onsug. So for those of you who don't listen to me through that podcast network, it's a, it's a long-running service that Frank Nora from the Overnightscape started years and years and years ago. And yeah, it's just a loose group of interesting, slightly offbeat people doing what I would consider fun stuff. Um, yeah, I would think James is a perfect fit for that. So I wanted to sort of personally congratulate him and encourage everyone to go to Onsug, O-N-S-U-G.com and um, look up James's thing. He's on to episode two now. It's really cool. I will admit, uh, <laughs> I haven't actually had a chance to listen yet. I subscribe to the what I dub the firehose feed of Onsug, so I get all the shows on my phone and I kind of pick and choose during the day what I listen to. Haven't got up to his yet, but I've even seen that he's also been on the latest uh, Central, which is a um, another show that anyone can uh, can contribute to, and I encourage everyone to do that. It's been a while since, I think the last Central I contributed to was when PQ was wrapping up the stuff about the Beatles, and I talked about my Claire is in my current obsession with Paul, McC Paul McCartney. <coughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, it's just, I, I cannot emphasize what a dreary evening it is. <coughs> oh. and normally when it's this sort of dreary, at least if it's been raining, it's nice and humid. So you don't, you're not going to be dry. But what I tend to find, this is riveting stuff. What I tend to find is that my... Uh, my hands get all clammy and stuff when it's like this. At least in Singapore, when it was, it would be humid and rainy, um, which is, I guess, some people really don't like that. But when it's cold and rainy, I don't know, I feel like it's just so much worse. But then again, I've long resigned myself to the fact that the vast majority of people, I suppose, are more rational than I am and would prefer to be in an oven than a sauna. They're two kind of very different things. I don't know what the opposite of an oven would be for precipitation, would it be a... Am I in a fridge? A fridge without defrosting. <laughs> what are those self-defrosting? Okay, funny story. Um, I remember... Oh, this would have been a long time ago. When I was a little kid, before we'd even moved to Singapore, and we lived in Melbourne, kind of the capital of dreary weather <laughs> in Australia. Oh, it's really bad down there. But anyway... Um, it, it also, I think, is the Poland capital of Australia. So for the entire time we lived there, we lived there for several years, um, around about the time I started school, and my nose was a tap. Just 20, I was congested 24-7 for the entire time we lived there. And I remember we moved to Brisbane for a couple of years before going on to Singapore. And I remember stepping off the plane at Brisbane Airport, having moved there, I would have been seven, I think, or six? No, six. And, you know, when you're on the plane and, it, and sometimes like the dry air on the plane can mess with people's noses. I left the airport in Brisbane and I stepped out and I could breathe through my nose again for like the first time in what felt like years. It was spectacular. Uh, 
I suppose Melbourne's got a lot of flowers or something. I know. I, I know the majority of my listeners are in the U.S., so I people joke that uh, Melbourne it's the Seattle of <laughs> Australia, only with not quite as nice natural landscapes. But but I digress. <clears throat> like a gentleman. Um, <laughs> I really I try and limit myself to one of those catchphrases uh, each time. But yeah, at least if it was wet out here you would hope that my mouth wouldn't be dry and yet here I am (coughs) coughing Um, if we're gonna have this as a sort of a sandwich of positivity a sandwich of positivity now there's a PowerPoint slide if (laughs) the sandwich of positivity Harrison Ford what if you In the middle of our positivity sandwich, I had a bit of an adventure that lasted up until a couple of weeks ago. Another reason why I haven't been contributing in audio form recently is I got strep throat, which if you've never had that before, it's this really fun thing where basically the lining of your throat falls apart. Um, The reason why people get really nervous about it is it's very, very contagious, but also, if it's not contained, apparently it can cause all manner of like, heart problems and things. And for someone like me who has sort of a history of tonsillitis and things like that, especially in the last, the last decade or so, getting old sucks. It's, it's better than the alternative, but it comes with all these caveats. I've found ca- cavities, cavity, one of those. There, there's, have I told you it's really bad and cold and miserable out here? <clears throat> yeah, I had this thing. In my throat it was it was really bad like I couldn't swallow it just felt like I was drinking petrol the whole time it was awful um, yeah normally you're supposed to be able to get over it within a few days or at most a week but I just kept going for ages like it was really stubbornly resistant to what I was taking I had to go to get swabs done and that was really fun uh, as my colleague would say it was a whole thing but it, it, it just oh you really appreciate how low bandwidth text is when you resort to using that. And I have newfound appreciation for people who are mute, who physically can't speak or have trouble doing so. Because it, it sucks. Like, not only can you not communicate at a sufficient enough bandwidth that's sort of to alleviate frustration, but someone will say something and you really want to make a wise-ass comment or crack a joke or something where timing is really important. And you just can't. You have to sit on it, and it sucks. <laughs> like, by the time you would write out an answer to it and post it, the conversation's moved on, and people will be like, what? what do you mean, butts? Like, that <laughs> makes no sense. <sighs> but uh, <clears throat> I was very fortunate that that um, cleared up, and I got the negative result for that, which is fantastic. Usually, you kind of want positivity in your life, but having a negative result for something like that is, is very, very important. Um, and... I was really under the pump, like I really wanted to get better. Uh, Because again, one of the more surreal yet amazing experiences in my life happened uh, over the weekend actually. There's a huge amount to unpack here, so I'm I'm kind of not really sure even where to start. I know that people who listen to this sort of run the gamut and there are some of you who know about all of this stuff and some of you are blissfully unaware and it's probably for the best. But it it was a whole thing and it was it was again one of the one of the highlights of at least if not my life at least in the last few years and something that um 
Yeah, if you'd told me as a teenager that it's the kind of thing I'd be doing now, I, it would be a mix of surprise, delight, and also, what? <laughs> How is that possible? <clears throat> I, I realized, I know the last episode I did, I talked um, about my dear friend Jim Kloss, one of the two people, along with Frank Nora from the Overnightscape, who was instrumental in getting me to start this show back in 2005. And the fact that he sort of moved on really really hit close to home, not just because he was a, a great friend and, uh, and a mentor, but also I didn't realize that he had kind of become my idealized, not use case, but um, target audience. I figured that if I could explain it in a way that Jim would understand as a sort of very technical person, but, but someone, you know, in his, in, his, um, in his 60s, 70s, that kind of time period, or, or age bracket that um, it, it, would, it would be relevant, but also I didn't want to talk about it in too much detail because then I would lose younger people. But then, yeah, I, I don't know. It was, it was, as my colleague would say, it was a whole thing. So have, having tied myself up in a few knots here, here we go. I met my, oh, now do I even use the lingo? <laughs> Probably not. I met one of my favorite VTubers of all time, and it was amazing. Maybe I have to start by just explaining at a high level what a VTuber is. A VTuber is a virtual YouTuber, and the way that it works is they have a basically a motion capture device that they have positioned in front of them, and as they move you know, they, they have expressions and they move their head and their face and um, their body, etc. That gets translated into movement on a model. And I guess because um, Japan really pioneered this sort of concept, it's basically um, anime art. So people will get, in the old days, it was people would get a, would commission an artist to draw them a persona um, and, a, you know, maybe have a backstory for them, etc. And then you would get a rigging expert to come in and sort of turn that static image into a 3D or a live 2D, as they would say, model. So it's on a 2D surface, obviously, because it's a, a YouTube video, but <clears throat> you get that illusion of movement. Much like a, a cartoon would, you know, with um, shading and depth and that kind of thing. And then on top of that, you have that motion capture stuff. And then what these people do <laughs> is they will film themselves using this motion capture setup live on, I think the majority of them are on Twitch, but Hololive, which is the, um, the, the community that um, Clara and I follow uh, on YouTube, which is great because I'm not really into Twitch. I don't really, I'm not, I'm not a part of that side of things. And yeah, they, they play games, they do food reviews, in some ways kind of sort of similar in a lot of ways to the topics that we would talk about on Onsug, but to a, a, a very broad audience of, well, anime weebs basically. <laughs> but also just, they have a pretty wide appeal. Um, within Hololive, there are a couple of different generations. It started as a Japanese thing, as I said, but in recent years, in fact, during the COVID uh, pandemic, when that was first sort of rearing its ugly head, and a lot of us were stuck at home, was sort of the golden opportunity for them to launch an English branch. And so now there's a, a couple of generations of, of these English characters. So they look and act like anime characters, but they speak in English and they have 
Um, the majority of them are American, although there are a couple of um, Canadians. And Huckles Bales is from, from uh, not from Sydney, I don't think, but from Australia, which was also weird seeing this sort of anime character talk in an extremely Aussie accent, <laughs> getting other characters to try Vegemite live on stream and stuff. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. <clears throat> anyway, so aside from the English branch, there's also, uh, um, it was interesting, there was a Chinese branch that closed for sort of geopolitical reasons, but Carver um, announced uh, sort of, not concurrently with English, but sort of similar around that time, an Indonesian branch, which, I mean, I thought that was really brilliant. Um, Indonesia is, a, is I, I sort of like to joke, it's the biggest country in the world that no one ever thinks about. They have hundreds of millions of people. It's a massive country. And yet, in this part of the world, people would be forgiven for thinking that, oh, it's Australia and, I guess, New Zealand occasionally, and that's about it. And I was like, no, it, it is a huge country. Um, uh, you know, thousands of islands spread out over a, an area of ocean bigger than the US. And for the most part, the Western world just doesn't even think twice about it. So I thought it was really cool that this... Hololive branch also had a uh, an Indonesian branch as well, and there are uh, have been a couple of generations of them. But one in particular from uh, Generation Two, her name is uh, Pavolia Rene, and she's sort of her symbol is the is a peacock, and so she has a lot of teal and blue color scheme to her outfit and stuff. Um, very kind of she's a, a very interesting character, um, a, a little bit more. How to describe it? A bit more subdued than some of the, the sort of the really over-the-top over characters like uh, Ollie. But, I don't know, there was something about her mannerisms and her, like, her accent and just the way she talks, the way she laughs, her sense of humor, as I said, all of that. It was just, it reminded me of so many of my Indonesian friends from Singapore to the point where... I kind of half joked, half was serious with Clareth, saying, do I know this person? <laughs> is she perhaps the younger sister of someone I went to school with? It is, it is hauntingly similar. But no, it's, it's, a, it's an accent, and it's a, um, um, obviously a very specific part of Indonesia that, uh, that she's from originally, and so she's picked all of that up. And the cool thing about Indo, uh, the Indonesian branch of Hololive, if you're kind of interested in it, is some of them, like Rene, actually do a lot of their streams in English as well, so you can follow along, and, and she'll sprinkle in some Indo stuff, and uh, it's kind of fun if, if you did a bit of Indonesian in high school like I did. Um, I can kind of sort of follow along with that as well, which is really cool. Bagus. Uh, but... Um, yeah, it's just she. She plays a lot of in, well, a lot of the games that I'm interested in, like Minecraft and Persona and all of that. Um, she also has um, brunch streams where she'll just be on there, and you can post comments in YouTube, uh, and she'll read them out and, and sort of uh, talk about it. I know it's just, it's a lot of fun. There are a lot of, of Hololive streamers. Um, Amelia Watson was Claire as my first one. Um, I think the one, the two that I really watch a lot these days is crony and um whoa someone found their horn over there <laughs> and fauna from the second generation council or and ina from generation one who's just a sweetheart but yeah just for the most part i kind of just gravitated towards rene now fast forward a couple of years and the sydney manga and anime show was on recently smash 
and they had a lottery where you could win a chance to do a virtual meet and greet with either Rene or Ollie from Hololive Indonesia, so Generation 2. And not only did I win, but I actually won a meet and greet with Rene. And it just, it's amazing. Like, I, I've spent my whole life thinking that I don't really understand the whole thing about celebrity worship and stuff like that. But I will admit, completely 100% transparently, that I was way more over the moon than perhaps I should have been way over the mooner. That's a, that's a whole live reference uh, for seeing her. And it, it was also just such an, as I said, a surreal experience. So the way it works is, the way they do these meet and greets for these sort of virtual YouTubers is you, you're seated uh, in a waiting area. And then when they call your name, you walk into this room with a, a webcam that's pointing at a specific point in the room. They, they draw a line in the ground where you stand. You stand there and there's a giant TV at one end of the room where the character who's normally talking to, I mean, these fetch tens of thousands of people in terms of audiences and, and hundreds of thousands of people watch the streams. And usually the chat in these streams is going by so fast that you, you really can't read it unless you pause it. So instead of her projecting and sort of talking to a stream that might have 50,000 people watching it live, she's looking at you and that's it <laughs> uh, through this TV. And basically you get five minutes and you can just talk with her and say, hey, how's it going? And um, I... You know, it was, it was it was bizarre. Like she said, "Oh, you know, you you must be one of the fans I'm meeting. How are you?" and etc. And I I tried to use some of my very broken, very limited understanding of Indonesian, and I used up all my Indonesian in, a, in probably the first minute, which was I kind of then sort of it devolved back into English again. But no, we we talked for it it um it actually went by really quickly. But it was um or at least it felt that way. But we talked for a few minutes and. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned that how I that my my partner Clara and I had been watching her streams for a long time, like since she debuted, and I thought some of her stuff that she'd been doing in Minecraft was really funny. And um, you know, I um, I don't know how we got onto the topic, but um, we were talking about you know me being in Singapore and stuff, and it just <laughs> it it just it it felt weird. It's like I don't know how else to describe it other than. Uh, James from James's Coffee Blog said that um, he was sort of partially inspired by Frasier. It would be like standing in front of a TV with Kelsey Grammer from Frasier in his Frasier persona talking to you <laughs> over a TV. <laughs> and, and like with live feedback and stuff. It was, it was so weird. But then I was also kind of sort of talking about um, towards the end I said you must be doing an awful lot of these you must be exhausted like it, it, you know you've got a pretty packed schedule in the coming days are you, are you getting rest and things I don't know why it started ending up me sort of saying that I was worried that she was pushing herself etc and there was a moment where I sort of joked I said you must be really tired and her voice kind of didn't quite drop an octave but <laughs> it went down and she's like yeah yeah I'm pretty tired but you know you got to do what you got to do, so, something like that. So, yeah. And then at the end, her, I guess her handler from Hololive from Cover, uh, which is the company in Japan that that um, uh, you know, I guess is her agent, I suppose you could say, um, took my phone and I got a selfie with <laughs> with 
was ready on the screen. Now, I mean, to be clear, um, I like she was she was incredibly um, uh, easy to talk with, very funny, um, just a real class act, and it just I left there just thinking it was. On the one hand, it was like I, I met someone who's been a part of my life for this last few years, and I, we watched her stuff all the time. Um, oh, actually, the other thing, I, we ended up spending most of the time talking about uh, Indonesia. So I was sort of saying that when I lived in Singapore, I, um, I went to Batam, I went to, um, uh, Bit, well, everyone in Singapore goes to Bintan. <laughs> There's nothing special about that. But, um, you know, being in an Australian, I'd been to Bali and Lombok and stuff, but I had never been to Java before. And, and, and she was sort of joking, saying, wow, you've seen more of Indonesia than I have, and I'm from here. <laughs> uh, we, there was one moment where she was saying, yeah, you know, um, uh, Australians and Americans often talk about road trips, but it's kind of hard to do that in Indonesia when your, your country is spread out over thousands of islands. And I sort of said, well, you know, in Singapore, if you, if you do a road trip, it's over by lunchtime. And she sort of snorted at that. But anyway, oh, it was, it was just like, I left with just like the, 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 the cheesiest grin on my face. Um, I think that's really the, I guess to sort of tie this all together with a bow, um, or Rene doesn't really wear a bow, it's more peacock feathers, but that's just everything. Um, one thing that I think the internet has been really good for is sort of opening up those kind of channels and making it so, so people can interact with people like that. And that it, having an audience of that size is sort of viable. So if you imagine in the before times, if you were a commercial radio station and you had very limited spectrum, for example, it would be really hard for you to justify having someone who has an audience of say like 50,000 people watching live and maybe 200,000 people watching her stream after the fact. Um, unless you're pulling in millions of people in prime time, they kind of don't want to talk to you. But what I think that meant is that people would introduce these, um, uh, you know, either actors or news anchors or whoever you want. Like when you see these people for enough of your life, you kind of start to feel like you know them, even though you clearly don't. Like it's a, it's a entirely a, a, a one-way transaction in that respect. Whereas be, having a smaller audience means that, you know, it, it is feasible. Like suddenly the idea, you know, there's no way that someone, I know, like I said, Harrison Ford before, if Air Force One had just come out and there was a meet and greet with Harrison Ford and suddenly millions of people wanted to do that, there's no way that you would have met someone like that. But the fact that I guess the audience is still small enough that it's feasible that you might be able to get something like that. And also, you know, the, the audience, like that is a lot of people who, who watch her streams, but still it's enough that if you post a comment there, there is a chance that she'll read it and comment on it and, you know, explore an idea that you mention. It's, uh, I think it's kind of a, a, a sweet spot. And it's kind of the reason why I've also sort of gravitated to, back towards shows on things like OnSug. Um, there's a lot of podcasting and stuff that happens now where they've got millions of listeners and, and whatnot. Um, there are a couple of really infamous examples. But, for example, if you wanted to connect with them, there's no chance in the world that you could, nor that you would actually want to either. That's a big difference. Like, the fact that 
that was what really appealed to me about the overnight scare back in the day. The fact that I got a hold of this show that Frank was doing, um, and this was before even podcasting was a term. And I emailed him afterwards saying, hey, I just listened to your show and that was an amazing thing you said about blah. And the fact that he read that on the air the next episode and then laughed and you know, sort of commented about things, that's really cool. Like it's a, it, it turns it into sort of, it's not entirely a two-way transaction. It's still someone for the most part being creative and someone responding to it. It's not a conversation per se. But it's, I don't know, it makes it seem more authentic and fun and real in a way that sort of big uh, media doesn't. Or actually, it's not that it doesn't, it's that it couldn't, even if they wanted it to. You just, at that scale, it doesn't work. Um, <laughs> I still, like, that happened a couple of days ago now, but I'm still just, the fact that Claire and I had been watching this person sort of, not quite every day, but it, she was a very big part of our life, so, because she was my favorite character. And, the fact that I was, for those few minutes, I was in a room where it was a stream where she was talking in her persona, as she always does, but she was talking with me, like just in the room, as opposed to, to all these people on the open internet. It, just, it, it was very strange. Yeah, you have those dreams. Um, I had that recurring dream when I was a kid where I would be in the, in the lounge room, for example, and a news anchor would come on TV and say, this is the top story for Tuesday, the 13th of May, something, something. Ruben Shade has been a naughty little boy and he would glare through the screen at me. And, you know, you point to yourself as like, who, me? And he's like, mm-hmm, yes, you. <laughs> it's really scary. But it wasn't. It was, it was anything but. Anyway, so that's kind of the, what was I calling this? The sandwich of something? Um, the clever curtains. How do you make a clever curtain? I, I don't make. Is it? Does it dim under certain lighting conditions? Does it? Does it change color? Is it one of these color shifting curtains? Doesn't sound that clever. It just sounds like it's got some software in it. I don't know. Clever curtains. I'm going to be thinking <laughs> thinking about that for a lot. Ah, thank you for tuning into this rambling mess of a program. Uh, it's good to be back. As I said, it's good to see um, James on the Audible Medium again. I'm looking forward to, to uh, listening to his stuff. And uh, you should check it out as well. One thing that I thought would be kind of funny is, as opposed to sort of ending the show on a, on a firm note, that I would just end it really abruptly.